This is Unleashing Leadership, and I'm your host, Travis Moss. Welcome to episode 45, and we just got done talking about the team, or really this, what does it mean when we say we love being a part of a team, or we love our team members, and today we're going to talk about another special perspective on teams, and that is the management team. We have three episodes left before we get into the recap and our special interview, and I'm really excited to say that we've got some people lined up for our special interview who have done additional book reports on the Ideal Team Player, and they've been a part of implementing aspects of the Ideal Team Player into our culture, and they're going to help share some of their perspectives and some of their experiences. So I'm really excited about that episode that we can look forward to. We're going to do today's episode about the management team. That's going to be followed by the notebook, and then that's going to be followed by the enemy of good. So I think these three episodes will do a good job of tying all loose ends together and rounding out the body of work regarding the ideal team player. And just as a reminder, if you're jumping in now, if you're just getting a subscription, we do have a website. You can go to the website. You can get links to the book, or actually links to the reading list. We can actually shoot you over to Amazon, and we've got the books already picked out for you, so you can quickly like click on them throw them in your cart and check out and get these books. You can listen to them for yourself. Um, I think we do a good job talking about the book, but I think the books will reinforce a lot of the messaging that we're saying. And you'll see how in the, the, one of the things that we are all challenged with is we can go and we can read a book. We can listen to a book, uh, but how do we put it into practical application and what are actually real life examples of how to do that and things that we need to be looking for. So I hope we're doing a good job. Um, of that for you. And if you have a comment on the website, there's a place where you can put comments. They will come to me and then we can hash on those. But let's talk about the, the management team now. We did an entire series on teams, like an entire, the whole team of teams thing. Um, we've done an entire second series on the ideal team player. We just did an entire episode on the idea of teams. Now we're going to talk about a special type of team, the most influential team in the entire organization. Notice I didn't say the most important. I said most influential. The management team. The book describes a very idealistic management team. Three very capable and complementary leaders who by sheer chance happen to be great examples of the humble, hungry, and smart framework right out of the gate. And this amazing team has no politics, no power plays, actually pretty darn good sense of humor, uh, highly effective and respected. Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, that's because it's a fable, it's a book. But this got to me, got me thinking, if you remember all the way back to our fir- very first episodes of this entire podcast, go back and listen to our first episode or two. How might we have this? How might I have this? When I read this, I was like, I would love to go to work and be able to work through problems and challenges and growth and all that kind of stuff with those types of relationships. Not just the type of relationship I go in and I really enjoy the people around me, back to our last episode, but the type where I enjoy the people around me, but they're actually, the effectiveness is is very high. Almost like there's three me. I would love to do that. And so this is going back to the first time I, I really read this book. And it, and I don't know, it just it gets into the subconscious and it, and it registered with me. And I started to do some things that were different. 
I didn't realize what I was doing. Then when I went back to reread the book and to, let's say, prepare for for the podcast and everything, it really hit home. And that's a, a good point here. Sometimes you read a book once and you adopt a little bit of the thinking. Take a break. Take six months or a year. Then go back and reread it again. It's gonna You're going to have aha, oh, that clicks moments. And now you can really put pressure on. Now you can really say, okay, there's the pressure point right there. You know, I'm going to really dig my thumb in there because now I I understand what that means. So this is something that had been percolating for a while. And uh, really, I think over the eight, last 18 months, it's really quite taken off. I'm thinking, how might I have this? And the first thing I realized is that I could. There's no reason I can't. As idealistic as it looks like, I could have it. And I need it. And I would say anybody in leadership needs this, especially if you have more than eight people that you're in charge of. You really need this. But in order to have it, I needed two things. I needed ideal team fits in the first place in those management positions. I needed to make sure I had the effectiveness and the results and the right people, hungry, humble, and smart. I needed very high levels. You can't go to the rest of the organization and say to the rest of the organization, you have to match very, very high uh, expectations with humble, humble, hungry, and smart if somebody on the key management team isn't. So the whole team's got to be bought into this. You've got to have those examples, which means you might have to make changes, which are very, very, very difficult. Um, and you could have people who are hungry, humble, and smart, and maybe they're just not effective, or maybe we don't get the right results. That's a different thing. That's back to the why and, and back to professional development and all that kind of stuff. Um, the second thing I need to do is I need to pull together consciousness of the managers. And this is where communication consistent uh, development matters. Everything needs to be focused on freeing up the flow of information, sharing of information, even information people think is trivial or not important. People need to be aware. That team needs to know what everybody else on the team knows. Freeing up the flow of information, that's being humble. I'm not trying to block anything. I want to make sure everybody knows everything. I'm not worried if somebody takes my information and they use it for something different. Personal awareness, that's being smart. What's my role in the team? What's the value that I bring to the table? Um, that's the smart part. And then professional development, that's the hungry part. I want to keep getting better at this. I want to keep working better. I want the team to keep improving. That's that's the hungry part. All right, so the second thing that I realized is that each of my growing teams, they need the same framework. Think just for a moment. You've got the organization, at the top of the organization, small number of key executives. As seed plan group, it's me, the CEO. I've got a CFO and a COO. In the book, They've got the CEO, I think a chief operations officer, and then they've got the head of HR. So however your team is comprised, and of course in the book they're adding a fourth one, right? So it's not limited to three, but three is a very, very good number. Three is better than two, let me put it that way. Um, each layer of leadership, though, within the organization supervising eight or more employees needs the same structure and really got to start working towards the structure when you get to six. And that's because you're going to start to have little teams popping off those teams if they're growing. And they need a small and very cohesive management team just as at the top. The reason why, because leaders need perspective. We also need 
people who are learning how to see the entire picture, as well as how to help other, you know, help the leaders avoid blind spots. And these same people, they provide strength and reinforcement down the ranks, and they also fill in the ranks as people are moving up. So you don't want to move up in, from a leadership rung to the next level and leave a black hole. You want to develop that same skill set below. Think about it like this. If you ever had a, a child playing high school sports, why are some high school teams much better than others? One of the key differentiators is the development programs that the high school teams have. Same thing in college athletics, believe it or not. It's the development programs. What are the development programs? Well, if you have a uh, Pop Warner team, so a youth team, does a youth team mimic the same style and system that the senior high team uses? Or are they doing whatever the coach wants to do? And when they move on to the next level in two years, it's a completely different system, completely different style, doesn't jive at all with the one that they just came from, and it doesn't jive at all with the one that they're going to. Are they literally starting over every couple of years, never really fine-tuning and becoming an expert in what they actually do within the system? So if you have that throughout your organization, if every level of teaming, if you go all the way down to the most entry-level level of teaming, if they're running a very completely different system than the top, so the top saying this is the most effective way to team, and at the bottom they're saying, eh, we're going to do it this other way. Listen, they are absolutely capable at the bottom of doing it the same way you do it at the top. You're not special just because you're at the top as far as this skill goes. If they're running the same thing as they move up through the organization, it's very consistent and they're able to just jump right in. And it's just, it's a much more fluid situation. It's, you're advancing the ball much, much quicker. You're going to have a much better senior team by the time you get done. And you've got way better communication down through the ranks. Think about in the book, they had the foreman, uh, the woman that they were very concerned with because nobody could work with her. Well, she was very, very driven and she just got frustrated with people. Well, she's out there all by herself trying to run things all by herself without people in her ear, helping her understand the things that she needs to know and hear about. Build that team around her. And this concept of building the team from the top all the way down through as far as each micro team, I, that wasn't in the book. I'm adding this to the book. I don't recall anywhere in there that they said create micro executive teams for every smaller team. But I really think that this is an extremely effective way to do it. In fact, we started doing that in our organization. Then the third thing that I realized is I got to teach the organization how to do this. This is not intuitive. They're, people are not going to come up with this on their own. I can sit there and wait and say, why don't you cover the copy the executive team? They don't know. Nope. You've got to teach them. Leadership is all too often confused with I and me. It's my decision. It's my responsibility. It's my opinion. And people want to be surrounded by yes people because it makes us feel good. We don't like to be challenged a lot. We want to empower people. You know, we, we don't, we want to be careful about empowering people to challenge us. And the reason why is because we're using empowerment as the buzzword. We need to define that empowerment. Listen, this is how we're going to work. You're going to be empowered to work with me at an equal level. And this is what that means. So challenge isn't so much about challenging. We're not, if we don't define the empowerment part here, the challenge will drive you crazy because it'll be about the wrong issues and in the wrong ways and at the wrong times. So we have to define that empowerment. We have to set the ground rules of how we work as a team and everybody has to buy in on it or they can't be on the team. 
So this is back to getting those the right people on the team in the first place. And people who are empowered for the first time, okay, here's the parameters, here's what I want you to do. A lot of times those folks will also struggle at it. So there's got to be mentoring and guidance and there's got to be thick skin and on both parties because never done this before. So how do I really know how to do this effectively? So this is a process that's got to be coached and developed and taught throughout the organization. So effective management goes far beyond just being on a team. And, and it has to be developed down throughout the ranks. And leaders really, they always need to be looking for the right people to get them into management or management positions. Like we need people who are constantly trying to improve communication, are constantly trying to free up information. They're very aware. They're aware of how they're kind of existing within the space. In fact, if they see that they've been empowered by something, but they don't understand what they mean, they stop and they say, what does this mean? What do I need to do to make, you know, to do this to a maximum level of effectiveness? Or if there's other people who are doing things more successfully, they're saying, what are they doing? How can I adopt from that? Right? We need to be aware. That's part of the smart part. So we've got uh, in, improving communication, that's humble. Uh, free flow of information is being humble. Personal awareness, that's smart. And then, of course, we've got the hungry part, professional development. I gotta want this. 